Everything's going the way it should. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's a Wednesday evening, 6.54 p.m. on the East Coast. I welcome you all, and I think that we should have a pretty great show. We've got a return guest. We haven't spoken with Lindsay Sharman in what feels like two years, at least. But she's coming on tonight because we are going to discuss... You know, Lindsay was a... She was a teacher not too long ago, and tonight, even though the first time she was on, we were talking about spooky stuff. We were talking about hauntings and possession and all that because she is very into the uh, spiritual journey Um, and the woo-woo, as she would say. But tonight, I want to talk about fifth generation. Hold on a second some reason there's not uh, are we having a problem with rumble trying to see here let me see hold on a second just kind of make sure that we're doing something right over here I don't think so so um, tonight we're doing oh we, we were doing fine why the hell did I have to so I stopped that and started it for no reason sorry everybody I uh, I just wanted to do a little something on fifth generation warfare in the classroom. Now this is something that Lindsay and I were talking about off air. What can we do together? We we'll, we'll definitely want to have you back. The normalization of psychopathy and the fifth generation warfare and what it's doing to uh, the latest, the last couple of generations of Americans and how we're seeing the, the fruits of its of the plan, the dirty, rotten fruit of its plan is, uh, it's, it's, it's all around us now, especially since we are in this quickening period where um, there is, there's just nothing t- holding us back. So that's the reason why um, this is what we can ascribe a lot of our issues to right now, because as we said a couple of, I think it was about a, maybe four or five shows ago, our real issue when we were talking about RFK and the kind of interviews he was given about mental and physical health. This is the real nexus of our of our problems here. This is it. If you don't talk about physical mental health and what's being done to just kind of like debase and neuter us, 
then you're not going to be able to talk about, I mean, the, the southern border, the debt limit. What the hell does any of that even mean at that point? You, you don't ha- if you don't have the mind to be able to contemplate what we're dealing with. So tonight we're going to be jumping into that, and it's going to be compelling. I've got a couple of things I wanted to set the table with. I've been waiting on this for a couple of weeks now. I would have done it a while ago, but I knew Lindsay was coming on. And a lot of great questions to ask the audience, especially those of you out there who have children that are currently in the school system or or are already out and have noticed things and um, things you want to talk about, vent about. We will make sure that there's time for that in the second half. All right. Well, I just wanted to put that all out there. And thank you to all my sponsors. You can find them as just a general plug tonight on the affiliates page on quitefrankly.tv. From survival to um, shoring up all of some of your financials with precious metals. Then there's a lot of recreation, a lot of stuff around the house, uh, botanical chocolate, healthcare. There's a lot of great stuff on quitefrankly.tv affiliates. And, um, and they're all friends and many of them most of them, I think all of them, are members of this audience. So go and check them out. All right. Tomorrow night, we got Corey Hills on the show. That'll be great. EMF Solutions. And we're going to be talking about the proprietary technology he has put together <clears throat> that is helping a lot of people protect their homes from the onslaught of electromagnetic frequencies. So, I mean, we're going to start from the beginning on that one. I want to know all about his story and what this is, and uh, and that should be really interesting. Then we have Friday night, May 19th. It's already Friday again. Can you imagine? I can. Matt should be here Friday night. I'll tell you something else, though. i got to bring Jay Gulinello back, I think, sooner than I wanted to. There's just so much breaking stuff in in food tracking and control and because it's all you know there's some people out there who've got the the gall to complain when we break topic from the daunting ridiculous news of the day and we start talking about things that are uh, essential to actually human freedom and that is the freedom of food tonight is another thing here too between food and education those are things that change the world if you are in control or better control of where you're getting your food and knowing what you're eating and knowing what to avoid. Because whereas it may be a little bit more expensive to get certain foods over others, it it, it costs nothing to say no to other things. So food freedom is essential to human freedom. And not only is it essential to, uh, to building people's consciousness up in that respect, but also essential to knowing how your body actually works to assimilate food that makes you either more capable of going out there and living boldly and healthily and functionally or not so uh and then and and then it it then it does it does the farther you dig into it does tie into every geopolitical quagmire that we discuss on random nights of the the month the week the year so may have to get jay gulanella back to talk about this c40 thing the c40 cities yeah, that and other things. But I don't know when. We'll figure it out. It's got to be sometime in June. Maybe it'll just be a little bit earlier in the month than I expected. All right. All right. Let's jump into this, shall we? Because I want to make sure that we make good time with Lindsay. First thing up on the docket here 
Hold on a second. Here you go. Zero Hedge, Netflix race-swapped Cleopatra show, receives the lowest rating in Rotten Tomatoes history. You hate to see it. Has the race-swapping fad within Hollywood finally hit a brick wall? No. No, and I'll tell you why. Because for the same reason why Vice, which destroyed itself with all this nonsense, Vice is going to live on because it was swallowed up by George Soros because it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter if there are zombie bodies that, 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 that just are don't serve any other purpose except perpetuating the content machine that has infested every last search engine out there. Especially the same search engines that people like Klaus Schwab are going, are hoping, are going to be fact-checking every thought we have once they're able to better assimilate man with machine. So, same thing with Hollywood and everything else. Disney with all the, you know, every, everybody has five mommies and, and 18 daddies in Disney now. It doesn't matter how bad it does. It doesn't matter how much it repulses people on a natural level. That it's just so much, so blatant, and so abrasive. They just need to keep throwing shit up against the wall to see what, what will stick. And of course, the real thing here is that it sticks with the most impressionable people in society. And that is children. And that is why they are going over, above, and beyond to continue to propagandize and mix up your children's brains. So, uh... Big, big part of it over here. Are they going to try to depict historic figures as they once really looked, or will they double down? Double down. What's the real purpose behind this trend that many people are now referring to as blackwashing? Well, just said a little bit of it there. The political left often views history as inconvenient to their narrative, which is that different societies and ethnic groups should be homogenized into a single global entity, ostensibly with the same progressive ideology as they have. However, until the past century, this has not been the case. Humanity remains discerning always and seeks to group into tribes whenever possible. Leftists believe that they can rewrite several thousand years of recorded history through Hollywood magic and con the next generation into thinking diversity and inclusion have always been a thing. That's diversity and inclusion TM, like trademark. It's, you know, the the dog whistle. (laughs) In fact, it is nearly impossible to get a streaming show or movie produced these days without filmmakers being forced to follow the list of ESG requirements. Uh, I mean, streaming show or movie. Uh, When was the last time you saw an all-white family in a Downey commercial? Not that I'm looking for all-white families. I don't care if they're all black families. I'm talking about there has to be an Asian child, a black mommy, and a white daddy. Of course, the white daddy is going to be the goofball, you know, neck beard, if, if that's the case. But if it's the white mom, she's okay. And the white dad, the black dad will be able to remain some of his masculine, you know, remain masculine on, on the screen. There's, there's just things that it, it's so obvious now. People who never saw this and never cared about this stuff. You know, I don't get into the colorblind society. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't colorblind nonsense I mean the first thing that you do is you you when you meet somebody is you look them over I just you have to take them in unless you're actually blind so but everybody who never really had race up 
as a filter through which everything was judged or it, it, at first I mean that it's one thing to notice somebody's skin it's another thing to actually contemplate race and start ascribing one thing or another and uh, and that's what's going on now people just just see it it's all over the place it's all over the place now it appears that their failure has come full circle with a series about Cleopatra the seventh executive produced by Jada Pinkett Smith wife of slap happy Will Smith the show which is part of a project to showcase black girl bosses through history is billed as a serious docudrama but the depictions of Cleopatra as black are completely inaccurate the public response has not been positive yeah I know the country of Egypt has actually sued Netflix which I think is just fantastic and people be like oh they're so salty no 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 this is history here Go build a sandbox and play, you know, build the castles and whatever. Just stop fucking with history. Just stop fucking with it. Netflix Queen Cleopatra hit 1% on Rotten Tomatoes rating website. They'll say that it was a racist, it was just some, it was racist Russian bots again. That's what they, that's what they said was going on with Star Wars. A historic low for the streaming television. Attempts to paint the Egyptians as sub-Saharan African in recent years tie into a conspiracy theory among leftist activists who believe that Egypt was actually an ancient black empire that historians have sought to maliciously whitewash. In reality, genetic testing shows that ancient Egyptians were most closely related to the peoples in the Near East, particularly the Levant and Greece, to be honest. Hellenistic society, yet Cleopatra, was Greek Macedonian not sub-Saharan African, and there is no serious debate over this in, the his, in this historic community. Multiple images of Cleopatra from the first century AD have been found, including frescoes, which depict Cleopatra as white. But you see, what they'll say is, oh, listen, it, it's, just, it's just a reimagining. It's a reimagining, which means it's a, a lie. That's another shifty term, a shifty Marxist revisionary term to to supplant the word lie or fabrication. We get a reimagining to uh, to better suit modern audiences, whatever the f- that means. But I, you know, I, it must it must suck. I mean, when you're really that desperate for validation, you have to reimagine things like this. And because um, let's be honest, especially when it comes to black female sub-Saharan Saharan. Uh, warrior queen tropes there's really not a lot to work with there's not I will be saving something like this for the day that we finally land Robert Sepper to come on this show and maybe the first thing we do at least a little bit of what we do is debunking the out of Africa myth I've spoken with Robert Sepper behind the scenes and you know every once in a while I'll send him something for opinion or you know I'll I'll quip about one thing or another that he's done and we've you know we we know he, we know of each other he knows of me and he even said one day whenever he starts doing interviews I'm toward the top of the list so put that in your cap that'll be a really really fun fun night but yeah Netflix is retarded and uh, and so is this next woman Debbie Washington Schultz Demi Washington Schultz from Florida. I can't believe she still has a job to everything she's been a part of. Um, Debbie Washington Schultz. The, uh, let's see here. 
Oh my gosh, you remember the Awan brothers? You remember Imran Awan? Debbie Wasserman Schultz, then head of the DNC, lost her job, all that stuff. Oh man, she should be in jail too, this one. But again, she's not in jail. She's being paid a federal salary. She'll have benefits for the rest of her life and all that stuff. And she gets to go out there and say things that nobody else can say. That we're going to have vegetables rotting in the fields because there's going. Ron DeSantis apparently has banned corporations from hiring illegal aliens. And of course, the only thing that illegal aliens are good for is picking fruit and scrubbing toilets and all that other stuff. And they can say this stuff because... They're liberal, like Kelly Osborne. Liberal. You know what I mean. I'm liberal. Another shameless liar. This one with ramen noodles for hair. Listen to her. When uh, Arizona did the same to uh, to their immigrants in their in their state, uh, he's uh, there. We go again. We have another person, ladies and gentlemen. Debbie Wasserman Schultz this time. We have another person who seems to have been trapped inside of Debbie's body. Perhaps it's the Debbie we never met prior to her possession. Because as you can see, she's blinking distress signals with her eyeballs just like Maddow. Very distracting. She wants somebody to help her. Just somebody. Throw holy water over her. Quick. And maybe there'll, there'll be some sense will come out of her mouth finally. Arizona did the same to uh, to their immigrants in their in their state. He's going to devastate our economy, tourism, construction, agriculture. I mean, you're going to have vegetables rotting in the fields. You're going to have construction sites that will lie dormant, uh, or certainly will struggle to get workers to be able to, uh, to 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 help make sure that they can make progress. The tourism is it tourism and rest. You know, I I know plenty of people. I know plenty of people who would love to go work construction jobs. I know plenty of people who love to work outside as arborists in one thing or another, and they are literally turned away. I have a handful of friends who in the last year have pounded the phones answering want ads for uh, landscaping, this thing or another, and they have been turned away because it is literally... Uh, the, the, oh, our white our white person quota has been met. You think I'm joking? Think again. All right. And if they do get on these crews, they're ostracized by all the illegals that are working. So it's um, and, and that's not to say that there aren't really great workers, people you want to you would want to uh, you know spend Thanksgiving with and all that that are coming over the border illegally and all that and I always say those are the people we want to encourage to come here legally to say well some really great people upstanding moral hard-working people come over the border yeah along with all the criminals the freeloaders the gang members uh, I, I mean you know who the hell knows it's so ridiculous to say, hey, well, you know, out of every 10,000, we might get 500 really great ones. And it's it's a terrible argument. It really is. So, but in this case, uh, there's nobody that would, uh, apparently, in the state of Florida, that would want to work any construction jobs if they had to be vacated by non-citizens. There would be nobody who would want to get out into the, into the, the, the you know, 
into the orchards and and pick apples and oranges and and uh, and be gainfully employed. That just that would not be that's beneath Americans to work. Understand? We have every other American in this country. Americans deserve to be CEOs. You know, American citizens. We're the CEOs. If you're not an illegal immigrant, you're a CEO somewhere. Don't you know that? You would never want to go out there and have, you know, manual labor, work in the sun. You, you, You would never want to do that. These people, the fact that they get to go out there and say this shit every day. It's a real privilege to be a Democrat. It really, really, truly is. Um, here's one last thing I'll say for you. I'll say before we go on, go on to something else. I'll keep this aside. We're not going to be able to get to that. Oh, well, there's two things real quick here. Take a look at this one. Pulaski County teacher suspended after student dressed as a KKK member for a history project. A Kentucky teacher was suspended after allowing a student to dress up as a Ku Klux Klan member. Pulaski County school leaders confirmed that Southern Middle School teacher was suspended after a student dressed up as a Ku Klux Klan Grand Wizard. Oh, he went right for the, he went right for the top. As part of a history project, you know, I had, um, I had Biography Day in third grade, fourth grade, or something like that. I was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I walked in with a cane because, of course, I the wheelchair would have been too much. Um, Anthony was Ben Franklin. We have those, I think we have those biography days on, on tape somewhere. Superintendent Patrick Richardson said he's extremely disappointed and embarrassed by the incident. That's just not the kind of cross-dressing we want to see out of our students, said the superintendent. I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. That's a joke. Do not sue me. I'm just kidding. All right, and one last thing. Uh, you might have heard about this, and it should be no surprise to anybody, but it's really relevant to the kind of uh, to the commentary we laid down for all the Durham stuff in the last 48 hours. Here's from Sputnik, but it's been published elsewhere. The entire investigative team removed from Hunter Biden tax probe. Since 2018, Hunter Biden had been under series of investigations into tax-related crimes, drug use, money laundering, and illegal business dealings in foreign countries, including Ukraine and China. On Monday, the U.S. Internal Revenue Service, the IRS, removed the investigative team from their protracted tax fraud probe of Hunter Biden in an apparent retaliation against a whistleblower who raised concerns about the handling of the case. The two also recall that on April 27, 2023, the IRS Commissioner, Daniel Werfel, appeared to before the House Committee on Ways and Means to testify, quote, without any hesitation, there will be no retaliation for anyone making an allegation or a call to a whistleblower hotline. Now, whether or not this is a clearing out and bringing in a whole new group of people, I don't know. I don't know if the whole thing is just being thrown away, but I will say this. I was just saying the other day that the whole Russian investigation was a cover-up, primarily, but it served a number of other purposes. It was a perjury trap if they could ever get Donald Trump to sit down and answer some questions and, and, you know, talk him into circles and find inconsistencies and then, boom, get him on a process crime or two like they got everybody else that they were able to nab. Or... It was going to be an obstruction trap. 
they would have, le- for as much as they tried to the reverse psychology on the news every night, saying Donald Trump better not fire uh, Robert Mueller. He better not fire. He can't. He won't. He would never. Hoping that he would. Because if Donald Trump had fired Mueller, he would have created, he would actually would have created a story that they ultimately would have never had and w- never did. Because the whole thing was nonsense. This is the exact kind of thing that they were waiting for Donald Trump to do, to clear something out. So now, like I said, we'll see. We'll see if nothing reconstitutes and if this wasn't just a bad personnel or whatever the hell's going on, but I doubt it. I doubt it. I think it's just cute. I think we're getting taunted all the time and um, and the rules only go one way, but it's time to start the show. So I hope you enjoyed it. Please share this episode with everybody you know, whether you're watching live or on demand. I put all the live links out on Twitter and Telegram and Truth, Getter, Gab. It's all out there. Please sponsor the show through your social media presence and just get it on out. Give it a like if you're on YouTube or on Rumble. It means the world over there. And everybody else, kick back, relax with your tribe and enjoy what we have coming up. One ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, another beautiful night, outside and inside, right where we're supposed to be at 7 o'clock. I appreciate you being here. All right, well, as you all know, as you all know, we have done a wonderful piece on QuiteFrankly.tv's blog with writer John Carroll about fifth-generation warfare. And it was called World War Truth. In fact, if we have time in the second half, perhaps we will go and read through it again. That's on the blog section. It was That was from uh, November 9th or November 8th, 2021. Really, we're really proud of that entire blog section. A lot of, uh, a lot of evergreen topics that are relevant whenever you read them. And tonight, we're going to start off with Fifth Generation Warfare, and uh, we're going to apply it in a different way. So it's usually, we'll go through that later on, but Fifth Generation Warfare, after you get through all the ways that we have gone through 
the 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 the, the mechanisms for waging war from mechanization to just you know uh, what wherever we movement however we were doing this and then we start getting into non-lethal less and less lethal ways of producing an end product that you usually would have to beat somebody into submission over a long you know protracted conflict well this is a um this is the situation here fifth generation warfare usually classified as being mostly or entirely non-lethal which would make it would make perfect sense as to why it's being so perfectly waged on television and over social media and most importantly in our classrooms and the effects i believe are fairly obvious i want i want to read something to you before we bring on lindsay this is going to really set it all up this is from may 9th on the daily skeptic been saving it for a little while Here's the headline. The truth about Generation Snowflake is even worse than we feared. I had a meeting arranged with one of my undergraduate students from 10 a.m. last fr- for 10 a.m. last Friday. Around 9:30 I received an email from her saying that since she was quote struggling with her mental health end quote, she wouldn't be able to physically come to the building. It would be too much. So could we please have the meeting via Zoom instead? This kind of thing has become completely normal. Vast swaths of students have diagnoses of ADHD or the ubiquitous anxiety and depression. The rest who don't still feel no compunction in disclosing their so-called struggles at the drop of a hat. Working around these issues is now simply a fact of life for academics. We confront them literally on a daily basis. Debate around the mental health crisis among these young uh, tend to bifurcate into two camps, which um, unusually in our times doesn't tend to cleave neatly into political left or right. On the one hand, there are those who think it is real and that the conditions young people grow up in, too much screen time, too little socializing, too much pressure in school, family breakdown, consumer capitalism, structural racism or sexism, worries about the environment, take your pick. They are conducive to a bad mental health. On the other, there are those who think that the issue is overblown and probably a matter of overdiagnosis, either because adults are too soft or because the financial incentives for child psychologists and doctors and ultimately big pharma. To my eye, there is no doubt that young people generally have objectively worse lives on average than those of my generation. I came of uh, age in the late 90s. I, of course, generalize, but they spend way too much time on their phones and sat in front of screens. They are inadequately socialized. They don't get outside enough. Too many of them come from broken homes or single-parent families. Society has become too cutthroat and wealth-obsessed. They are under huge pressure to look good and to say things right all the time. They depend too much on passive forms of entertainment. They don't seem to have any hobbies as well. The day-to-day experience of life, in other words, is for a lot of them just a bit shit. And who wouldn't be depressed in those circumstances? But on the other hand, the incentives all now seem to point in the same direction. Getting a diagnosis for anxiety, for instance, is ludicrously easy. And once you have it, doors are simply open for you at my institution, for instance. If you suffer from this condition, I thought it was a normal human emotion anxiety, you automatically get 25% more time when sitting an exam. Jeez. 
And if you don't fancy coming to campus because it's raining or you've got a hangover or struggling with my mental health, that is now a ready-made excuse that nobody can really inquire into. The 2023 equivalent of my grandma died. To extent of what the crisis is, whether the crisis is real or fake, is therefore difficult to answer. It's both. In a sense, though, the cause is irrelevant because the facts remain. We have an entire generation now, really anybody under the age of 25, which seem to think that A, mental health problems are common, B, that having one is a legitimate reason either to avoid doing something undesirable or to receive special treatment of some kind, and C, that it is wrong to judge or stigmatize anybody if he or she suffers from such a problem. And the effect of those beliefs is the same, however sincerely they are held. Avoidance of responsibility, that's one of those effects. Uh, Self-centeredness and navel-gazing, excuse-making and shoddiness, Each year, a growing number of undergraduate students on my course don't sit their final exam in May when they should, but during the resit period in August because their mental health issues are purportedly so crippling. Does it matter whether this is because they are just pretending and want a few more months to revise or because they are genuinely in dire mental straits? At the sharp end, the consequences are identical. One used to be able to convince oneself that kids would grow out of this kind of thing once they entered the real world of employment, just as one used to be able to convince oneself that they would grow out of being woke when surrounded by real adults. The truth is that the opposite is happening. Society is being forced not to just accommodate, but to encourage the uh, the eccentricities of the young. Hence my institution and its 25% exam extension bonus for the anxious and every employer on LinkedIn advertising its duvet days and mental health afternoons and therapeutic working environments. What's worse is that the grown adults who have no excuse because they were raised in good old days of the stiff upper lip are getting in on the act. Last year, when a student at my institution unfortunately died, the other students in his various seminar groups who barely knew him were encouraged to apply for extensions to the submission deadlines for their coursework by by their 40-something module tutor on the basis that I'm sure you guys are struggling. The same staff member later himself went off work for four months at full pay, of course, with that other favorite, stress. A strawow, a four-month paid vacation for stress? I would love that. Actually, I wouldn't. I would go nuts. I would actually have more stress being away from the show and working. I don't therefore believe that a solution can be found to this issue now. This is in cl- conclusion they're saying. These attitudes are ingrained and almost universal among younger people, though I am aware, of course, that there are plenty of exceptions, and as I have suggested, are even infecting the old. I'm afraid we are simply going to have to watch a vast experiment unfold. The political and cultural consequences that follow when for the first time in human history, the majority of society describes itself as suffering from a mental health problem and deploys it as getting out of jail free card at the drop of a hat. When indeed, consider the absurdity of the times in which we live, having an abnormally low mood has become normal. When this condition is at its rifest among the professional classes, doctors, teachers, lawyers, accountants, architects, civil servants, who have graduated from university and basically run society, the only advice I can give is to hold on to your hat because things are about to get interesting and not in a good way. So I want to, um, with that, 
with that, I want to bring on our returned friend, <laughs> Lindsay Sharman, who I, I, I was so happy to hear she's already read this article and picked it apart on her own show. Lindsay, how you feeling tonight? Uh, super good, Frank. It's awesome to be here with you. And uh, I just want to say, you know, you have the best audience and uh, your fans are really great. And I know that all of them want to tell you, I don't know if you hear it enough, that your show does wonders for their mental health. Uh, as much as mental health is overblown and we have all of this emphasis and it's being used in fifth generational warfare against us you actually do help people feel sane just by being yourself and reminding us that it's okay to be just normal in the world and i appreciate that so i wanted to give them all voice because i know they're thinking it very that's that's very kind of you to say and and many of them do express that over the course of a given week and uh the one thing i always say is that it's a, it's a it's a symbiotic circle because if I weren't here venting and working through things and bringing people on and and just getting that uh, that picture painted that we aren't actually going through all this alone even though may, many of us may be separated by uh, vast uh, vast distances it, it I, I would be going through I mean I would be I don't know what the hell I'd be doing to get rid of the the anger at this point, but it's <laughs> it's so great to have you back. I love your work as well, and I know you've been very busy in the meantime. So let me just ask you that you know you used to teach in some of these schools before you broke away from that entirely. Um, it's been a while. Uh, what? Let me just start with this. What did you start noticing when you started to notice? that there was something going on, especially in school, a breeding ground of this kind of behavior we just read about? Yeah, well, I so I taught for 14 years, and I'm just so people know, I'm a master teacher. I have a master's in teaching itself. So I have, you know, my subject matters I taught were English and social studies, but I have a master's in teaching. So in the psychology of learning and in, you know, how people learn and how to develop curriculum that suits people's learning. And I'm also a board certified teacher. And before I even taught in the classroom uh, for 14 years, I also was just in classrooms most of my life because I knew I was going to be a teacher. So I would do internships and volunteering and everything. Like most of us who, you know, grew up around our our age, we're what, uh, Generation uh, X slash Millennials. Uh, We saw things very differently. We had a very different experience. And when I started teaching, it was pretty similar still to how we had, you know, I could uh, have discipline in my classroom and, and kids were expected to respect me in general. Not not that they did. I mean, I still had to work for that and create it, but you know, that was an expectation still. You were allowed to hold kids accountable. Grades were still the same. Grading was similar. Um, you know, all these sort of expectations that we have kids who are learning something, that are accomplishing something, that we have standards for them, that they have to achieve them. Um, you know, and that, that kids might need support in doing that is normal too and, and was expected, but it wasn't so pervasive, this entitlement and this victimhood that we've seen. And then really around, I want to say maybe like 2014, 15, I started really seeing it, but it really started getting horrible when I left and I left teaching in 2018, 19 or so, a few years back, so right before you know, the COVID pandemic hit, thank God, mm-hmm. I was already out. Uh, but things were getting really, really bad. And, and it was hard for me to to be a part of and to watch because I could just see how much it was destroying our children. So um, when you say that, let's say you, you have somebody uh, in, in your classroom. Now, I know that I know that on a, on a national level, they really started ticking up 
the race war programming around 2012, it really started getting out of control between 2012 and 2015. You can tell they wanted to make sure that people were becoming a lot more centered on uh, superficial things, race, sex. They wanted people pitted against each other, and they wanted to create this faux civil rights movement that was obviously going to pit a lot of people apart because nobody was seeing the same things. You know, in the 1960s, you turn on the television, you see people having uh, you know, German shepherds uh, sicked on them, and, and, and you, see, you see protesters being hosed down and stuff like that. That, that. that garners a lot of widespread sympathy. Nothing like that is going on here, so we have this gaslighting that's happening, and and all of a sudden, they turn to children that are, you know, prepubescent children. They turn to them to pick up political uh, political stances. And, and then, of course, it starts becoming a lot more identity-based and sex and biology and all that. Uh, what, were you starting to see those things uh, creep up? Because I know that the, all the gender stuff was really starting to kick in after you left the, the scene, probably. Oh, no. Oh, no. It was in there. Yeah, it was definitely ramping up before then. But I can't imagine how much worse it is now. Um, you know, so I did see some of the race stuff, you know, heating up and, and we and we had address race a lot in literature and, you know, the books that we're reading, you know, we did To Kill a Mockingbird and uh, I didn't do Tom Sawyer, but they did at other times. So like those things come up and, and we address them. And I, I would have some actual racism come out of some of my kids. At this time, I was in an area where, uh, according to the rest of the very liberal area that I was in, this was like the racist rural area. Uh, and out, of, so I would have expected a lot more racism than I actually saw. And the one time I had to address it, like, wasn't so bad, and it just, you know, was addressed. Another time I overheard some pretty direct racism happening, and I, I try to do, you know, natural consequences and let kids handle their own business and not get involved if possible and i was really impressed that uh four boys just kind of casually addressed it to the one boy who was being really racist and they were just like look dude that's not cool we don't want to hear it like if that's your view don't talk about it it's embarrassing for you (laughs) like stop it (laughs) Uh, and it was it was pretty cool i was proud of them for saying something and but there was no real racism but the, uh, the so the flip side of that is some of my students of color started picking up that that ideology, that language of like, oh, we're oppressed and oh, people treat us differently because of our race, which they had not seemed to have felt before they were receiving that from the outside world, that that was an identity they could hold. And it's not their fault. You know, kids like they want attention. They want to try on different identities and see how they feel. We did it when we were young. We went through how many different phases and, oh, I want to see what this is like. I want to be this now. So I can't blame them, Um, you know, but I did see that more but the trans thing I saw even more than the race thing, for sure. Mm, you see, and then when we talk more specifically about generation, uh, fifth generation warfare, uh, I, I've done deep dives on, on mind war and psyop program beginnings, and we, we know about this stuff where after a while you want to be able to defeat a target population without ever having to deploy a military that through media through uh, infiltrating their public education system and private or anything like that you're going to be able to implant things in the brains of younger generations that within 20 years you you pretty much own a country ideologically and they never actually knew it because the, the new flushes out the old. And when you think about the M, M, what we know about MKUltra and, and memory implantation in itself, just the idea of what I was talking about with my, my buddy, for example, I was, um, 
you know, I, I ripped a little bit on the whole uh, Miller Lite thing yesterday with, uh, I don't know, it's another beer company that's going nuts with all of their crap and the feminism shit. But I oh, said, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> my buddy got in touch with me and he said, you know, I was I was looking at this and I was, you know, I, I was a beer drinker and uh, this ad, I, I usually not phased by this stuff, but this really pissed me off. I said, I'll tell you what, what really pissed me off about this. I hate how they're essentially negating the good times that we used to have, that we know the good times that we had before all of this stuff. This war was really ramped up. It's not about the bikini. I don't really care about the bikini. It's just that the bikini in this case with Miller Lite is a representation that they're, you know, they've already captured the present. They want to control the future. And the bikini is they want to go into the past and make us remember the past as something that was not good the way we remember it. And that it was not only toxic, but that we were responsible for it. And we have to atone for something. This is the kind of warfare that is being given to children who have no frame of reference. I mean, we still have the ability to say, no, the 90s were not bad. You know, we were not living some kind of a toxic hellhole over here. And they're giving this kind of a worldview to children who seriously have no frame of reference. It's really dangerous. And they've been taught, which is part of the educational system's goal, too, to see anyone who is an adult or not going along with the party line as like a stodgy old relic of the past who just doesn't get it. Like, why don't you get it, Dad? Or, whatever, you know, like it's this rebellion thing uh, that has been misplaced and misdirected. And that's also a natural part of growing up that we all did. But it's being weaponized against us. Um, and, yeah, like, which is it? Is it that bikinis are bad or is it that women are empowered when they're sex workers? Like, can you have it both ways? I guess so if you're psychotic, which is what they are. Um, And nobody seems to bat an eye at the complete hypocrisy of it. Uh, They don't even notice it, I feel like. And this is, it's all 1984 too, right? It's like the perfect playbook. (laughs) They're going to the past to change the perception, like you said. You know, you're supposed to hold two completely opposing ideas in your mind at once. This is double think. You have to hold them both at the same time. And they're both completely true, even though they negate each other. Uh, And this is being inflicted, like you said, on our kids who don't know any better. And unfortunately, the the teachers and the adults who have been given the authority, they've been deputized, right? And now they feel really important, like, oh, we're big people. We're helping kids. And most teachers have this very... I'll say flawed and narcissistic self ideology that, uh, you know, who they are and what they are. And and they're and they're encouraging it all, too, because they're just good little citizens and they get little brownie points for it. And Mm. right. Their virtue points just rack up. And it's crazy when I go in and I talk about, you know, how bad schools actually are and how bad teachers are for kids and how this construction, we know how to teach kids. We know how they learn. We know how they can be geniuses and we do the opposite and we do it consistently. Their entire development, we ruin them. Kids go into kindergarten. They do the genius test. This is a test that measures your ability to have novel ideas about how to use just random objects. They score a genius level in kindergarten. Every year after that, if they stay in public education, their score goes down. When they graduate, their score is as low as it can get. This means we have killed the ability to think critically out of them. We've destroyed it, and that is intentional. Uh, There's nothing good about schools. When I talk about that, people like glaze over and they're like, oh, she's crazy. Or like, oh, she's just not a good teacher. Oh, she's like, you know, got, I don't know, 
gypped by the school districts or something and she's got a bone to pick no they you know no that's not what happened i just see reality and i was in there and i saw i went in there because i saw all of this and i was hoping to just be at least one force for normalcy so some kids might have like a little dose of the sacred flame to come out with but um i couldn't take it eventually and i went out but if a teacher comes to them and talks to them about like oh little timmy and all of our standards and la 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 and social emotional learning they're like oh yeah this is good this is a good teacher yeah and it's like no that's actually it's it's all backwards it's all backwards. well i know that you had told me and i hadn't gotten the maybe i did get the story but it was a couple of years ago um that you, if you go back far enough you were you were pretty far left on your on your on the political scale yeah. Uh, so what was your red pill moment? What started that momentum in the other way? Was it all happening at the same time in your, your work inside the schools and seeing seeing the result of the ideology, seeing the result of the plan being played out and seeing the results are, are not what they said it would be in an, in a, in an idealistic setting? Or what, what, what was the, uh, the real thing there for you? Well, I, I was really raised questioning the government and authority. My my dad was in Vietnam and he was forced into a second tour illegally and he was a sniper and he was in Cambodia, not Vietnam and all of these things. So he was really traumatized and, and came back with all these wounds. And he taught us from when I, as early as I can remember, like you don't trust authority, you don't trust the government, you don't trust media, you don't trust teachers. <laughs> and so like I was red-pilled at birth, I think. Um, but I still had this victim mentality i didn't know i had i still had this codependency i still had this own my own like sort of emotional failure i didn't understand yet and my own trauma that i hadn't healed and i had this bleeding heart i wanted to save the world uh and so teaching was this uh you know goal of mine because i i was looking at it from the other side like from a leftist ideology the schools were um you know destroying children i guess in a different way and i just wanted to make sure kids had the idea that they could uh revolt against their government if necessary and like question authority and whatever i became a communist actually because i really thought what we needed was a revolution in order to uplift the poor and the impoverished and and take that all from all those capitalist pigs and (laughs) redistribute everything equitably and i was very idealistic about it like i really thought that would help everyone i grew up in poverty so i just really had this you know extreme understanding of like how bad it is and these people at the top don't even care and finally i both have critical thinking uh, and I ask questions. These are the two skills I try to instill in any class I teach, no matter what the subject is, critical thinking and asking questions. I literally teach question asking as a skill. And I was commended on this by my district with every place I did it because it would change kids' lives. It would change their test scores would go up and everything. It sounds crazy, but it's true. It's just asking questions. So I had those skills given to me by my own upbringing, and that's what got me through communist delusion. <laughs> so I would ask questions like, hold on a second. like. How are we actually going to get the money from these people? Where, who's actually going to distribute it? And yes. How are we going to distribute it? Right? Like, talk, talk about double thing. I was going to say, one accord, <laughs> that's a great question to ask. Well, we got yeah. we, we to stick, <laughs> stick it to the government, but we got to become the government first. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and are we the government? And if we are, like, who amongst us is the government? Like, wait a second. And nobody could answer my questions. And they would say things very narcissistically and controllingly. And they would say, oh, you have to just study more you just don't understand it you need to go back to the theory and study more and i'm like well that's a really screwed up way of passing the buck and not answering my question uh and that is what abusers do right they misdirect you and make it it's 
your fault if you don't get it. Yes. <laughs> so I I finally saw through it, and I just kind of was like, you know, actually what the final line was, was I found out that they wanted to put everyone into re-education camps who had any semblance of spirituality. And I was, like, still sick enough to think, well, it's kind of okay for, like, the Christians and the people who really, like, messed over humanity in the past. But, but I mean, I'm just a spiritual person. I just, I love Jesus and, you know, but I'm just generally spiritual. I'm not really, like, in a church. And they're like, oh, no, you would go too then. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> just for knowing I have a soul, I would go to a re-education camp? They're like, yeah. Just like no qualms, like yeah, you'd go to the camps. So the, like, the, the only thing a, a communist ever needs to d study really closely is the French Revolution or and the Bolshevik yeah. Revolution because it's the you know it's the people who helped the Bolsheviks you know, get the power that were they had they lost their heads first. They they want they're too good. They're oh, too yeah. powerful. No, well, they, they want. Well, they, oh, they also want to make. They also uh, you know it comes to it comes a time where everybody that bought into the dream are going to realize, uh, well, it's time to pay. Where's the dream? Uh, are we going to get the dream now? Am I going to be made a general now? You know what? You know where's where's my my back pay? And they say, oh oh oh, well, we can't have this. So they all get gone. They they're all you know lopped off. And you know here's the thing. This is something else here too. I think it's a great conversation. I want to switch over to uh, another big another big issue inside the classrooms. That is uh, is really the the main theme of that that first article I read. But I want to read you two paragraphs from the opening of this unheard uh, article. I think I had sent it to you a couple of weeks ago when we actually booked this. Um, yeah. Let me see here. It's written by Freddie DeBoer, and it's called "Mental Illness Doesn't Make You Special," and it brings up this whole topic of neurodiversity because we are inundated with this term now and listen to these two first paragraphs and I just want to hear what you got to say said Marianne Eloise wants the world to know that she does not have a regular brain at all that's her quote that's her declaration on the very first page of her new memoir obsessive intrusive magical thinking the book catalogs her experience of a dizzying variety of psychiatric conditions ocd uh, anxiety autism adhd alcohol abuse seasonal affective disorder an eating disorder night terrors depression she's got all those things by her own telling Eloise has suffered a great deal from these ailments. I believe her, and I wish better for her. But she would prefer we not think of them as ailments at all. And that combination of self-pity and self-aggrandizement is emblematic of our contemporary understanding of mental health. Here's the last paragraph. Eloise is a champion of neurodivergence, an omnibus term that's recently ballooned in popularity, which can include autism, anxiety, borderline personality disorder, or indeed any other psychiatric condition that's hot right now. The term is designed for making sweeping pronouncements. Forget the fact that, say, autism and schizophrenia are so different that they have actually at times been described as opposite conditions. Forget the fact that saying your neurodivergence has as much medical meaning as you saying that you have a disorder of the body. The idea that there's a group of people whose brain chemistry differs in some beautiful way from some platonic norm, and it's an idea that's taken on great symbolic power in contemporary liberal culture. And the rest of this, uh, Lindsay, goes on to talk about this, this cultural trend where the more problems you can have diagnosed for you, because there's always a doctor that's willing to do it now, or you can self-diagnose um, especially when we get into, uh, you know, conditions of, 
identity, which who can say what is real at that point? It's so subjective. These these terms, they almost become chevrons, and uh, they, they become like they, they display your rank in this new social hierarchy. And it's very, very disturbing to think about how you can even reason with this at any any given point. So talk a little bit about this this trend of neurodivergence. Well, you know, we're talking about sort of the race divisions and the, you know, gender and, and sex divisions and everything that's going on and how I was seeing more and more of that. But this is actually what I saw the most increase in. When I started, you know, you, you have to have people, the nurses and whoever come and, and share with you every student's IEP and their IEP is their individualized education plan. And it has to have all of their allergies, which also exploded in that time probably from injections I know. and also <laughs> and also any sort of mental or, or any sort of social emotional developmental you know any sort of issues so at the beginning of my career they would come in you talk for uh, one or two students at the most in any given class and some of the classes had not no one by the end of my career and you know you have five six seven classes a day depending on your load uh it would be like 10 students per class and you're supposed to know every single one of those students exact needs as far as food and medications and learning challenges and like what sort of modifications they need to the curriculum and all of that for this now like 60 70 students mm. that's crazy so i'd have students who would say to things to me like oh you know miss brown i'm Lindsay Sharman Brown, by the way, so Miss Brown is to my students. So Miss Brown, we, we really, you know, uh, I have anxiety and I just have this and I'm, I'm depressed. And, and so I just, I can't really do these types of things. And, and I luckily, I think it's lucky, I could say, I've been diagnosed with anxiety, depression, with anxiety-related depression, depression-related anxiety. I'm not exaggerating. ADD, ADHD, and PTSD. Take your pick. Which of those do you want to talk about? And am I here asking you for any special concessions? Do I come into the classroom in the morning and go, you guys just hold on, I need 20 minutes because I have anxiety, I'm just gonna sit in the corner here, you guys do nothing without me, like, no. It doesn't mean that you get a special little note that just gets you out of anything that you wanna get out of. It means maybe that, yeah, maybe things are challenging for you, but you have to rise to that then, or not. That's up to you. And with like a little a support sometimes, everybody needs some support sometimes. There's nothing wrong with that. But to pretend like you get special concessions, it becomes like you said, this almost like badge of, I have ADHD, I get extra time on tests. Like you have to treat me like this. And it's, you know, a way to get attention. It's a way to get validation. And it's a way to also not hold yourself responsible and not take accountability and not do, you know, for yourself what you could do otherwise. It's not doing anyone any favors, right? We all know this for ourselves when we're like, oh, I should do this, but I'm not really going to. We feel worse. Things start to fall apart. We don't do as well. As humans, we do better when we have challenges and when we meet those challenges and we make accomplishments. And kids actually need those things. And they're not getting them when they're allowed to just clock in and say, no, I don't have to do anything, actually. And it's really sad that we have this whole, you know, emphasis on this mental illness and it started if anybody remembers as removing the stigmatism or yes. remove the stigma the right stigma. yeah we don't want to stigmatize these people with mental health is just something we should all care about 
and, and it sucks because it's true. You should care about your mental health. You should take care of yourself. And that means if you have ADHD, you should find ways to help yourself focus. And you can do that. In fact, we find that outside of medication, there's all kinds of practical things you can do for yourself and give to yourself that actually work better than medication. Uh, but we don't teach people that. And instead, we just say, oh, you're disabled down. You never have to do anything again. You <laughs> it's know, not helping anyone. You, whenever you bring, it's anybody brings up the destigmatization of one thing or another, which there was never a stigma around somebody having anxiety. I know that there. No. you go back further in. You know, to my parents' generation, people aren't talking about anxiety as much. Uh, if you were, if you were feeling, everybody was feeling anxiety. But uh, at the same time, uh, you were talking about it differently. I feel nervous. I feel, you know, I got bubble guts. I got to work, you, and you work through it. It's, and it's just, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you say, well, we we should have been a little bit more understanding of what is actually going on inside of a person when they're having an anxiety attack, just so perhaps. It's a little less confusing for them because, uh, you know, if you ever had an anxiety attack, every time you feel it, it can be different. I mean, so one time it feels like you have you could, you could be starting a heart attack. Other times you're a little bit dizzy, shorter. I mean, this, this things just are, it's weird. So yeah. it's one thing to say, hey, we got a little bit more information on this and nobody stigmatizes this. But. This is part of that language that we adopt in this country now for people who want to create new hierarchies. As you were saying before, it's not about getting rid of a stigma around somebody who has anxiety. Uh, it's about being able to say, well, the person with this disorder, the person with this skin color, the person with this sexual preference, the person with this identity over here, uh, they are now going to be put on this pedestal. And yeah. you, normies down there, what they're really doing is stigmatizing being normal, like yes. comp completely normal. So you know what that is? This is like a narcissistic reversal. So this whole neurodivergent thing, that if you look at like the definition, it's like not a definition. Like, oh, neurodivergent is when your brain is different and so therefore you have challenges and uh, benefits that other people whose brains are different from yours don't have. They have different benefits and challenges. And you're like, okay, so if you really break that down, all you're saying is everyone's brain is different. Like. Is that some kind of like revelation to people? Right. And so, we, yeah, we're all neurodivergent then, meaning like our brains are different from each other, uh, but also they're similar to each other. <laughs> so we also have a lot in common. So when you're saying to me, I'm neurodivergent and so I'm special and I get concessions, you're not. You're actually just saying like your own self-evaluation of your brain and mental state is uh, a more important difference than my differences. Why is yours more important than mine? It's not actually, but you found this way to like categorize this. And then, like you said, like you're actually oppressing people who you, you are the one categorizing as normal, right? And I don't necessarily categorize myself as normal. I don't think many people do. I think we all kind of uh, honor our own differences and sometimes maybe too much. And then we feel like we're weirdos or something. Well, perhaps, perhaps the, the, the word uh, would be better suited because as you say, everybody's dealing with something, but th that's the whole point. I think that we're all different levels of functional. Yes. Okay. It's like, don't stigmatize people who have their issues, but are functioning. And, and, and are, are, are willing to work on how to function without special concessions, without a, uh, you know, a suitcase worth of pharmaceutical drugs to keep them zonked out. You know, uh, that, I, I think that's, that's probably the, the better way of saying it then, yeah. And, it's, and we see it with autism too, you know, and autism is exploding, again, perhaps from in 
injections and chemicals and the everything <laughs> but um who knows what exactly but it's exploding and we have this same sort of push right to like destigmatize it and accept it and in fact celebrate it celebrate autism when someone has autism celebrate it and i and this is horrifying to me and it's the exact same sort of thing like we're gonna put this up on a pedestal to normalize it when actually i've worked for years and years closely with multiple different women with autism and of course i've had lots of kids with autism in my classrooms uh and none of these people have a better life than the average i mean there's challenges are significant no matter what level of functionality you have when you have autism so to celebrate that seems to me like a, another weird reversal that's cruel and unusual so mm. you're saying to me you have this exceptional list of challenges that you deal with and i'm supposed to celebrate that for you like, what <laughs> but it definitely disallows you from wondering what's causing this and shouldn't we stop that because this isn't actually good it's not good for people it's not good for children i understand loving your child despite whatever we yes we, we were like you said we were taught that in like the 80s and 90s or kids with differences and stuff you just love them anyway like this is not something new but to celebrate it is a whole different uh, ball game and it it again it's it it just stops it it's it's the point of 1984's um newspeak right is to stop you from being able to think about things clearly and this is just an example of that you celebrate this well if you celebrate it you definitely don't want to stop it exactly and i think that would once again go and uh and, and reaffirm what the actual objective of the mission of the war is because right. you're only a nation is only as strong as its upcoming and outgoing generations and what what is the trends inside of the culture is it getting stronger is it becoming more resilient is it becoming more robust and confident in itself or is it literally whittling away and dying on the vine and uh, and, and there seems to be a great great uh, concentration on making sure that people feel empowered in their uh in this level of I don't know uh, handicap, it's 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 incredible here. Um, and and the other thing there too is that we see that because it's so encouraged in some way, the destigmatizing of one thing or another, so social media takes the ball and pushes it even further. I mean, do you remember a couple? Of, it seems like a couple of years ago now, but it was one of the first big viral trends on viral neurodivergent trends, if you. Uh, if you will, on TikTok, where kids were developing Tourette's yeah. or, or, or like physical tics. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like they, they were they were actually Tourette's. Yeah, obviously, it's just them triggering it in themselves. But they were they were developing physical tics and it was all psychosomatic. It was all psychosomatic. There was not there's no Tourette's. There was nothing beforehand. And here it is all of a sudden. And um, so, I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we, we have been observing some. I feel like we've been trapped inside the zoo, Lindsay. I know. And it's and you just sit here and you're like, how do we stop it? I mean, this is also interesting. I don't know if you've talked with Simon Essler yet, but he would be a great guest for you. And he uh, does a film called Cut, Daughters of the West. And he talks about the social contagion uh, aspect of the whole gender explosion and the you know transgender and gender dysphoria and all of this and how it's disproportionately targeting young girls and so did the ticks on TikToks mm. and so did all of the social contagions in history the dancing sickness right you've heard of that one oh yeah yeah the laughing all of these 
uh, Salem witch trial, right? Like all of them, they're all women. They're all young women of this age. They're easily targeted. Um, we could go into all sorts of reasons why, but it's just true. And so we're allowing our, our young people to not only be destroyed by public education, but then we're just feeding them into the mouth of madness with this whole social media world that tells them that they're not valuable unless they're mentally ill, unless they have these special badges of um, entitlement and victimization, right? And unless maybe they aren't actually a girl after all, but are a boy or whatever. And this is how they then see, I get a lot of attention if I do this. I get a lot of validation if I do this. You hear these young girls describe like going into these chat rooms and these communities where people are, you know, pushing any of these given ideologies, let's just say, use trans as an example. And all these people will just lavish praise on them and lavish love on them and just oh yeah you're right you i've always been a boy and haven't you noticed this this and this totally normal thing that every human does that means that you're this actually and just like the mental health thing right we all have anxiety but if you go here and you look at this checklist now it seems like it's pathologized and you need medication well, it's the same with the trans stuff like we all have especially girls things that make us like tomboys or not fitting into the stereotypical like swimsuit edition of like Sports Illustrated. Well, I guess that's all for men now, anyway. I know, I know. It's like <laughs> they took that now too. I guess we yeah, just. I just. I guess we just have to start going to the beach again, Lindsay. If we want to see people, people, if we want to, if we want to people watch, we just got to go back to the beach. You see, the, you see, they're forcing us back outside. They're forcing us out of schools. I know that you, I mean, home, full circle. you talk about homeschooling all the time. Now, if we just want to see a natural human body, man or woman, we know we can just go <laughs> to the beach and, you know, put our, our mirrored sunglasses on and be a creep for a little while <laughs> instead of by... <laughs> You have, to, you have to go to special places now to just see, like, normal biology. Well, they see this, right? And these groups are lavishing all this attention. This is what young girls need, actually, is really, um, you know, devoted attention and love. And not that young men don't, but, you know, this is just a, a young women's trend for the most part. And so uh, they're getting it finally, and they love it, and they need it. And so then they're like, well, let me, like, cut my body apart. Let me take these hormones that are irreversible that cause irreversible damage to me, that give me osteoporosis and worse. And then they do that and you know what happens is all that attention stops. Hmm. Okay, well you're trans now, bye. And it's done. And not only that, but there's horrible complications from these choices that you've made, unfortunately much too young to even be able to consent to them, but you did, they let you. Uh, and that's it, you're done. And you don't have that love anymore. You don't have that attention anymore. You don't have that acceptance anymore. And you've done this. And this is why we actually see a huge increase in suicides and mental, actual mental health issues. And it's so sad uh, that we're failing our children in this way. Um, but there, there is actually, there are actually good solutions to it. I actually just saw this. It was really funny. This woman made a video and she was like, you know, my daughter was starting to get into the sort of trans thing so I took away her social media and I made her garden with me and took a week and she doesn't talk about that anymore she's like I didn't force her I didn't tell her to stop I didn't tell her not so what did she do well she gave her real life connection real life meaning something she was accomplishing you gardening is great right you can see the accomplishment instantly mm -hmm. no matter what you're doing uh and you know she gets this reward in her and attention from her mom and love and that's all any child really wants. Um, so that was a really cool, just like easy solution to this problem that seems so massive. I'm, yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because it's the simplicity 
the really the reason why we are facing what seems to be a, 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 a hulking monster of a problem is because on such a wide, large scale, we have been pulled away from the simplicity that has that uh, of a routine and of a family life and of being outside and properly stimulated by nature. Um, I mean, I'm just talking about stimulated with interpersonal, being in the garden, going for walks in parks, just just running out and being physical. Those little things, they, that is a, a, a shield goes up around you. And everything else around you, I mean, you can see people who are living lives of varying levels of difficulty and stuff like that. But it, it really is how far off the natural path are you going to drag people and the farther you go off there the 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 more the the problems it's like any other psychological problem that somebody has when they're put into solitary confinement you know our our prison is just we we're we're not surrounded by four walls and four you know four padded walls but we're we're definitely in prison-like conditions a lot of the times so i don't know why anybody would would feel like you know just going outside doing a little gardening those are the things that wouldn't be that that wouldn't be the thing that dismantles this entire thing if it's done on a large enough scale let me ask you this though about bullying um that's something you know i saw kate winslet she received a bafta award or something like that a couple of days ago and she went off and made some kind of a socio-political statement about bullying and how they she wants people in power to pass legislation uh, to make hateful content criminal. She wants criminal action, and it needs to be taken. Uh, oh, and So, I, I mean, if we dig farther enough into it, we know this is what, the, I think I know what this is all about now, and now I'm starting to wonder, has, has bullying itself been completely co-opted by these same terrorists who no longer want to have any competition in the open dialogue or the open space with you know people who reject their orthodoxy because I mean I'll tell you I um I, I know how dark the internet can be I, I was bullied a little bit when I was a kid I was excluded I know what being excluded feels like when I was younger but there's never been a cure for this outside of time fortitude having a few true friends, that, that always goes a long way, and sometimes relocation, a change of scenery. But, you know, that exists in the analog world, outside of the Internet. We, I mean, th if you do away with the entire Internet, we still have to deal with bullying. So why, why now does it have to be criminal? Outside of, you know, assaulting somebody, harassment, that's always been criminal. So I'm trying to think now, uh, is it really so that... The, the bullying stuff and the cyberbullying we always talk about now is really just a co-op job to make sure that um, nobody, nobody could ever compete with LGBT, BLM, shit like that, with memes, with simple little tiny messages that take apart entire contrived arguments about what the world should be like but can never be. Uh, what, what do you think about bullying in itself? Because obviously it's real. It is real, and, and it, it's horrible when it happens to you. But um, it, it's being used just like all this other stuff is. Yeah. Well, I actually, so I hadn't really thought of bullying in this way before. And, you know, bullying in school and bullying amongst children is, uh, I'm not going to say I want it to happen. I also was bullied. And then I became the bully that bullied bullies. And, you know, because I was on like, my warrior path. 
And like, I do think, though, that it teaches us things. It teaches us, you know, self-worth. It teaches us to stand up for ourselves. It teaches us how to make good boundaries or to find help when we need it. And these are good skills. So I'm not I'm not going to say that we should try to eradicate all bullying there. It serves a social purpose. Uh, and, and the bully always ends up, you know, learning and growing eventually, too. Or they don't, and, and they just dig themselves into a deeper hole. Yeah. But the, the focus on this as a society is quite intentional. It's definitely part of the fifth generation warfare um, and my dear friend uh, Sasha actually is a nurse and she helped me understand this even more deeply and she was like who's the biggest bully who are the biggest most consistent bullies that you see in the world actually who is it that's silencing people who is it that is calling people names who is it that is grouping and ganging up and getting the power that they can use to abuse you and stop you from being able to think and talk and act the way that you should be able to do freely it's them <laughs> it is the people who call themselves progressive it is the people who say that they're anti-hate it is the people who are trying to make these laws they're the ones silencing they're the ones abusing they're the ones aggressing they're the ones calling names if you go in i'll do this sometimes i'll go into a really leftist group and i'll just make a factual statement of some kind that isn't along with whatever the post they are posting at the moment is and people will just start attacking and they'll call me names and slurs and they'll whatever and they'll silence me and they'll block me and they're whatever is that not bullying like all I did was say something out loud that I thought there was no hate attached to it, no nothing, right? And this happens over and over and over again. And they're gathering the largest tools they can to do it as well. Then you look at the coercion that happened during this whole last three years, right? That's mm -hmm. the epic level bullying. That's huge Like bullying. we're gonna take your job away. We're gonna take your kids away. We're gonna take your home away from you. <laughs> How is that not bullying? Oh yeah. But you're gonna tell me that I'm a bully because I say to somebody that they're a biological male that's crazy i know you're crazy <laughs> there's no there's no greater example of bullying than taking economic hostages uh thre yes. threatening somebody to stay i mean you i mean the, the 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 what you listen to the the compilations that have now been put together for posterity's sake across just what people you know national anchors on mainstream media uh news networks these national shows every night talking about sh literally shaming people into compliance. This, this is these are they are they're, these are nightly calls to action to have people gang up on those who are resisting peer pressure. It's uh yeah. it's I mean we lived through it and it's all on tape and it's never gonna go away. So uh, I, I I'm. Uh, that's that's what I'm talking about. Whenever I hear about bullying and stuff, it, it's another one of those things where if they slap civil rights on it, you better not oppose it. And I yeah. and I am not pro, uh, you know, ruining. I I have tremendous compassion for children, especially in social situations where you know some are more timid than others, and others are being left out. And I feel that I I can I can uh, I'm just so empathetic, you know, in, in that respect. I can feel the hollowness creep back up inside of me when I, I see a kid who's been left out or, you know, has been pushed off of a swing or something like, like that. Like, oh, man, that sucks. But, you know, it's, it's a thing, something you got to go through. Yeah. You know, nobody wants it to happen to anybody, but it's apparent that they're not anti-bully. These people no. <laughs> are not anti-bully. So is this really what they're trying to achieve?
And they're not anti-hate because they hate you. Oh, they yeah. hate you. <laughs> they hate you for existing. They hate you for not agreeing with them. They hate you for not just doing what they want you to do. That is narcissism. They might not all be categorized like they can diagnose, you know, as narcissism, but they have narcissistic behaviors that our society rewards, our school system rewards and enhances and instills in people. And we see these reversals, these narcissistic reversals all of the time. They're like, you're the one, you're doing this, da, da, da. And really there should just be be a mirror in front of them because they're always describing themselves right it's this classic pr projection and reversal and uh i don't bully people um i mean maybe i maybe i accidentally do sometimes i don't know i'm not a perfect person right <laughs> like a baby yeah. but no not in general in general i want to hear what people have to say i want to you know talk about things they won't even let you talk if you say the wrong word even they'll shut you down so the government is the biggest bully of all using coercion and aggression to try to force you into their narcissistic view of what they want you to do and all these little foot soldiers that tend to be leftists and progressives um you know they're they're just reinforcing it and they're they're they themselves have these narcissistic tendencies as well um, it's just within them. And this is why I say, you know, I got out of communism, like I said, because I started to heal some trauma in myself. I started to heal the victim status within myself. I started to heal, um, you know, the part of me that felt like I was entitled to things that I didn't necessarily earn because of my uh, oppressed status, right? I started to heal all those things. And I, and I started to be able to see things over the years more and more, I think, clearly, uh, you know, from a rational point of view that wasn't just coded in my own mental illness from the past. And uh, I think this is what's going on with people in general, too. I, you know, they, they've done studies and they said that there does tend to be like a higher level of mental illness in what we call leftists and progressives. So, and I'm not surprised because I was, too. And when, as I healed, I was no longer a leftist or a progressive. So there might be something really to that, which, again, brings it back to this sort of simple answer that doesn't make it easy but it's better than this huge picture of like what do we do about this you know societal illness is that we really have to heal ourselves and and maybe help others heal themselves too if po if and when possible it's hard with narcissists it's hard to do anything but just kind of go away from them but uh you know when possible if you can like kind of hold up that mirror and invite people to reflect and grow maybe that's good but really we can do that for ourselves too and then we will have less and less chance of falling into all these mind games all these psyops all of these you know fifth generation warfare uh societal engineering games that have been being played for a long time mm. what very very well said it's so it's so great to hang out with you again food freedom i would say and homeschooling if we can yes. if we can take we can make choices to know exactly or to the best of our ability, where we're getting our food, what's going in our body, and uh, taking care of education and just taking care of being outside and disconnecting from the methadone drip that is social media at least a little while a day where you are unreachable. I think that will go a very, very long way, and it's practical. We don't have to worry about, you don't even have to be like Atlas holding up the world. What, what do we do with this, this weight on our shoulders? We just got to deal with ourselves and our home. Uh, you know, this, is, this would be way too big of a topic to talk about right now, but I just want to ask you, because maybe I can get you back on the, the show sometime sooner than, you know, two years. Yes. And um, <laughs> the GATE program. Do you, uh, you were talking about these genius tests for younger kids. I, I was wondering, you know, the, the GATE program in all of its many forms, now we know how many forms there are, 
uh, I put out a call maybe about a month ago to people. Have you any experience with the gate program? Because Are we're, you talking about uh, Bill Gates's educational springboard? Oh, no, no. The, the gifted and talented, uh, the, the, the gifted and talented programs. You ever hear oh, about these? I mean, I know the, what they, they would come in or they would, they would come in and they, they test certain people. And sometimes if they, uh, the, if the student was, you know, to a certain level, they would go into special programs and do off, off campus education or whatever the hell it was. Some yeah. people went on trips. I didn't know if you knew anything about that, um, about the, 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 you know, the, the deep dark, some well, people think deep dark. Yeah, I I don't know necessarily the dark side. I was one of those kids, and I I was in the gifted programs, and I did off campus stuff and participated in. What was the name of your program? Do you remember what the name was? Because it's Gosh, Gate. I don't, Gate is like one uh, of ten. I, I I was given so far. No, I really don't. I used to actually remember. I'm sure I have it in my journals from that age, uh, but I don't remember now. I just remember, um, you know, that we had different, it was kind of like the genius test, actually. They were like, here's just a pile of stuff, and you have to create, like, this thing that accomplishes this task. Uh, and it was really, really cool. It was, like, the only thing that ever actually engaged me. I hated school, actually. It was, like, super boring. Okay. Um, so, for me, it was all positive. But I do, I do understand that there's this sort of secret military programs that seem to pluck kids out from programs like that yeah. and um, possibly do nefarious things slash... Um, you know, get them into their their ranks, uh, you know, recruit. They recruit through there, perhaps. So I know there's that side of things, but I haven't experienced okay. it directly. Sounds good. Yeah, um, I, I got a mix. I got a, I, and, and the mix was very stark, you know, very, you know, milk toast, average challenges, fun stuff, whatever. And then there's other things that were just really uh, odd. And I'm, I, I'm, bu- I'm building a dossier on this so that I can one yeah. day do a, a much a much deeper uh, jump into the deep end of that pool. But Lindsay Sharman, the Rogue Ways podcast, you are on Rockfin, you are on YouTube. Tell everybody, um, I, I know I have, your, I have your Rockfin URL in the description of this episode. Let everybody know how often you stream, what you got coming up next, and, uh, and anything, any other special announcements you want to make before we go on our intermission. Yeah, thank you so much, Frank. And I, I'm actually off YouTube. They kicked me off. I'm a naughty bad girl, I guess. Jeez, so I'm not allowed to what the hell am I? What, what am I doing right is the question. Well, I had the same question for the entire time I was there, so I, I think it's just a, I think it's just a random. They're like, okay, now get her, <laughs> now get him. Like I'm not sure, <laughs> but um, I definitely uh, don't I don't miss it because they messed with me a lot before then too. So good riddance to them. But I am still on Rockfin and every other video platform that exists: Odyssey, Rumble, BitChute, everything else, every podcast platform. You can also find Rogue Ways. I do live streams uh, Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern, and uh, I, you know, I do. We didn't get into really homeschooling, but if there's people out there that uh, despise the public imprisonment indoctrination camps as much as I do, and you would like help uh, and support in becoming a homeschooler, there's lots of ways to do it. No matter your situation economically or time-wise, there's tons of ways to free yourself from this. So don't give up hope. And if you would like to do a consultation one-on-one, you can go to calendly.com slash rogue ways and one of my services i offer is a, a education consultation uh, so we can talk about that and if you ever want to have me back on to talk more in depth about how people can do that i would love to share it with people as oh, well yeah. yes I, I i think i think we should i know that we touched on it a good uh, a good amount 
tonight just in the way where we were talking about the ease with which, you know, this doesn't have it to be, be a, a death sentence for the culture. Uh, yeah. It can be done, and homeschooling is not something that uh, we are terribly unfamiliar with, but I, I cannot wait to hear your particular approach and how you're making it accessible for people. We'll do that uh, sooner than later. Lindsay, uh, thank you for everything. You've been wonderful tonight, and everybody loves you. Oh, thank you, Frank. It's so awesome to talk to you. I hope we get to talk again soon. We will. All right. Take care. Mm-hmm. You too. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to go on a little intermission. When we come back, we're going to be jumping into what you all think. Oh, I should have read this one thing. Um, Lindsay would have, uh, she would have, she said something about, about the, the, the children she has worked with who were autistic, the families that she came to know and understand all, all along the ways that even though there are things that you can do and they have done and, and families and individuals continue to do to work on themselves to make the uh, to make day-to-day life a lot more functional and easier it's still never easy well I have uh, in one of these articles over here I was just looking in the comments section the first comment that struck me was from a mother of an autistic student and she goes into this very same thing I'm gonna read that on the other end of this because then I would love to inspire some calls in the last 40 minutes that we have on this show so don't go anywhere we are just getting started take care it's intermission time Folks, time out. Press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? We're just like other people. We love to sing, we love to dance, we admire beautiful women. We're human, and sometimes very human.
So, welcome back. I have, listen to this. I know this will inspire some some calls, some super chats. And you can super chat any any ideas or any anything that you want to say about tonight's show. You can go to quite frankly superchat.com. That's a universal website for people no matter where you're watching. Quite frankly superchat.com. There's also the Rumble rants. I would love to read a few of those. And then if you're watching on quite frankly.tv, which many of you should start migrating to right now because uh, Rabbit Hole Wednesday begins when this show concludes right there on quitefrankly.tv, the exclusive home of the Quite Frankly Network. And here's what I have for you. What is it? There's two, oh, there, here's one comment. This is from the, the uh, neurodivergent from unheard.com. They said they used to say that you wouldn't be ashamed of a broken leg, so why would you be ashamed of a mental illness? Perhaps now it needs adding, you shouldn't celebrate breaking it either. So that I think that's where a lot of people are saying. You know, at the end, if, well, hey, you have a broken leg, why would you be ashamed of some kind of something wrong up between the ears that you need to address? You know, they, we were just as vulnerable up there as anywhere else if in a physical sense. But the real question is whether or not we are actually causing the injury. We're the ones causing the injury and then asking for special status. Now, here's a comment. If you're in school as a student or as a parent, see this stuff happen, especially if you need, uh, if you have children who are uh, need special attention. Listen to this. I'm a parent of a 19-year-old daughter who was diagnosed with autism at age 3 and ADHD at 14. Once she started middle school, I began to hear and notice more discussion about being neurodivergent. I am certain the popular sci-fi film Divergent helped with this. Shailene Woodley was just as popular to teen girls as Jennifer Lawrence in Hunger Games. Starting around 2014... Let's see here. Starting around 2014, my daughter would come home from school and tell me about the girls she sits with at lunch are all depressed. They're all suicidal and or LGBT in some way. Because of her quirks, she always was a bit of a misfit, my daughter. Struggled to make friends. This was the only table that would accept her. I refused to let her go down this path. I refused to let her use Tumblr and have her mind messed with by misguided peers who knows who else is on that site. And yeah, Tumblr is a huge part of pushing this neurodivergence as a superpower kind of bullshit. I don't know. This, this, remember, this is a mother of a 19-year-old autistic girl who is, who is seeing this trend as a threat to her child. She continues... I don't know how many of Gen Z are truly neurodivergent versus following a trend. I do know that with my child starting at age three, uh, she had behavioral therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy. By elementary school, she minimal, uh, minimal accommodations needed, but had an IEP annually. Her father and I had to sit through hours-long meetings with staff to make sure that she had the support in place. By middle school, she wanted to be free from that and, set a- and uh, self-advocated to drop the IEP. 
She wanted to be like everyone else. She just successfully completed her first year at university and is doing great. We could not be prouder. Yes, she requests extra time on exams and she struggles a bit with, ex- uh, with executive functioning. But like walking, talking, riding a bike, she will get there. Uh, she just has to work a little harder at some things than other people. But talk about appropriation. As a parent who had to deal with this for 16 years and see it become a trend, and teens wear it like a badge of honor to seem edgy or as an excuse not to try their hardest, it seems a bit infuriar- infuriating. It has taken a lot of time, patience, and involvement to help her reach her fullest potential. We love her and accept her no matter what. It's not about trying to cure. We couldn't if we wanted to, or to change her, or to oppress her identity in some way. It's helping her and supporting her in how to navigate life as an independent, relatively healthy adult who has to play the particular hand that she has been dealt, just like every human being has to. The diagnosis and the struggles for someone like my daughter are very real. I worry that other kids who truly are in need to help, uh, 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 are in need uh, for help will get minimized and stigmatized even further because it is now a cultural trend. I also can't help but wonder how anybody can suddenly have autism or ADHD and there was never any indication of problems starting in their toddlerhood. I was very in tune and involved mom. I knew something was just a little bit off. We were not required to have her evaluated, but we chose to and we glad we are glad that we did. But I have to believe most parents would know something isn't right long before middle school. The other question oh, oh and that's that's the end of that. That's the end of that. Now I, I know that we have parents of autistic children in this this audience. Many of, of you have reached out to me over the years for one reason or another and to actually gain insight into things like this. So there's that I wanted to bring up. And then there's also the other question. Has bullying been completely co-opted by true enemies of liberal society who no longer, who simply no longer want to have to compete with people who reject their orthodoxy, especially as it pertains to gender and sexual persuasion and a- anything else We know that people have gotten jail time for Facebook messages and for Facebook posts in Europe for criticizing UN migration practices or EU migration practices of bringing in uh, refugees, people who don't want refugees to come and completely destroy local culture and who are not going to assimilate and change their lives forever. People just saying, hey, I don't think this is a good idea. They've, They've gotten the knock on the door. Because this is so obviously the whole bullying thing, as much as I empathize and I would would never choose to put a child in danger or anything like that, and I know how the internet can be be used to be so much more, um, so much more, I don't know, uh, creepy and invasive if somebody really wanted to harass somebody and make them feel uncomfortable and, and cause them pain. I can see how the internet, I've long been able to understand that. And know it, know it very personally. But um, this is so obviously about the ubiquitous scam that they call hate speech and free speech. So obvious about that. So there's there's questions, and we got 30 minutes here. So I'm going to open up the lines, and we will um, 
and I'll start jumping around from from your many super chats and things like that and we'll 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 get on get on the way here. Nine one four two zero 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 two six nine. I have not gotten the jingle down yet. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll figure it out, but still, there's the number, 914-200-0269. Ken McNeil says, great show, Frank. Lindsay was fantastic. The momentum continues. Hello Kitty says, hi, Frank. Would you give a shout-out to Dwayne? Today marks 20 years of marriage. Wow. Yeah, Dwayne. Relationships are always weathering. Uh, the peaks and valleys, however, I am pretty hard to take on a daily basis. Thank you for putting up with me. Duane. 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 X's and O's. Well, I'm so happy about, for both of you. Uber Viking says, I used to be a teacher's aide. I had to get out in 2010. Kids weren't being held accountable by teachers and parents. Love and logic over facts. Why new math? What was wrong with old math? The parents didn't know new math. So grateful for my tough 80s teacher. Yeah, the parents didn't know new math. And, and of course, we, we know however, however many, how many times does do representatives of the federal government have to say, I think that Corrine Jean-Pierre clown just said it again the other day, that these, these children belong to all of us. No, they don't. Well, changing basic math into something so ridiculous like we saw with Common Core when it started coming out. Uh, That is a way of excluding parents from even the most basic after-school activities of doing homework, talking talking to children, being connected to what they're working on in school. It's uh, whether it was planned that way or not, it's definitely an effect. It's an isolating thing. Uh, let's see here. Uber Viking also says, I just flipped my flag today. Killed me to do it. This just sucked. Glad to have you get us through. Well, I'm, y'all are getting me through too. We're all just hanging out, doing a good thing, wherever the good thing can be done. All right, over on to Rumble. Seeing how everybody's hanging out over there. What is going on? Where the hell? So there must have been an issue with Rumble. When did that start? After my restart? Because there's barely anybody there. So obviously that is, uh, it's probably live somewhere. That sucks. All right, anyway, I'll have to figure that one out later. Let's go, 914-500-2000-0269. I saw a few come in and I was distracted over here. Jesse, thank you so much. Chai Possum says, Frank, thanks for the stink eye wink with your, quite frankly, dugout mug. Made my day. Well, thank you for the mug. CB Joey says she's 100% right. You're the best. Well, thank you, Joey. She's talking about that wonderful compliment that Lindsay paid me. She's not too shabby herself. Really enjoy hanging out with her. Let's see here. Uh, four zero four eight zero. You're on the call on the line. Who's this? Frank, it's Liv. Hey, what's going on? Liv, you said? Yes, it's Liv. What's going on? How are you? I'm doing well. well what do you, you think know, about tonight? I love your first guest, and um, she speaks to my heart, and um, I also. Um, 
have come into, and recently, this was just last week, that um, I was getting a pedicure. I, I do hospice care, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to have a day off. going to do it by myself. And I heard someone in distress, a little tiny person, and I went next door because it's a taco shop, and I was like, there's 50 big, strong men in there. Not and two police officers, and I love police officers. I have family full of them, but not one of them went to the distress call of this little tiny person. And I went back, and I, you know, went to find out what is going on. And sure enough, he was only four years old. He was having a panic attack, and he was autistic. And he was, you know, his uncle had him on the phone with his grandmother, and. I calmed him down and you know it it just takes a testimony to um, the human spirit to take a little bit of a lead to help somebody else out that's in need and the his grandmother was very gracious to me and so was his uncle so never hesitate to help somebody out in need well especially when you hear that when you when you know that there's a there's a child that's in distress somewhere you, you yes. that, there, there's there's something about that a, a bat signal goes off you know when it's the real deal and it's a, they're very very lucky that you were within earshot so th- thank you for calling and leaving us with a, a little uh, little little good news for the day live yes and, and and don't don't be afraid to be brave and love each other and be strong and have fun and um i don't know if uh, you got the franklies the franciscans i uh, I, oh and i sent in a super chat for the um map scribes and you didn't even auction them off what are you talking about they 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 went off with the the wood the mothman the mothman they went off with the wood no you said that with the wood that was the big pro. It was the, the wood and the, the and the mat notes. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I missed it. All right. I'll well, at, le- at least at least at least you can. Well, thank you for the call, Liv. At least you can go and mark it off on the ledger, and it, it's it's accounted for. So there's that. But thank you. For the- okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry you lost. But don't worry. He's- I know. I know. I, me too. Me too. Yeah. Me too. He's going to be making a lot oh. more. He's. I know that he's he's going to be writing down a lot more <laughs> survival guides and. Okay. I love you guys. Well, thank you so much, Liv. And at the end, don't worry. By the end of uh, by the end of this century, everybody. Everybody will have at least one guide handwritten by Matt about one thing or another. That's the way it will be. I can't wait until he writes the, uh, he gives me a little bit of insight into the order of the Franciscans and how it sets itself apart. Let's see here. 256, 256, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, Frank, it's Shannon. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Good, how are you? Are you feeling better? Oh, I'm feeling a lot better. I, yeah, feel, I'm feeling pretty good. Well, I have a stiff neck today, but, and that led to a headache. So I'm, I, I'm working through that though, just fine. I'm glad you are, because I still feel like shit. No, oh, sorry. Anyway, um, so I, I hope you don't get upset with me. I'm bringing this up, but you did a show with Tracy on Monday and had the coolest chick on there about doing a, a oh, not a, it was a near death experience or something like that. Do you I remember think, that? yeah, I think that was Friday. That was Friday. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. I, I have to listen while I'm working, so I get them all mixed up. Um, but that was the coolest thing 
that I had heard in a long time, and I can't wait until you have her on your show. No, and I, I really hope I, th- I, th- I believe her name was Penny, right? Yeah. 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 Well, and she she made me cry right there in the middle of a Kroger, and it was like. I was like, wow, I had chills and everything. That was really wild. Well, I'll tell you this, Shannon. Um, I, 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 I'm going to have, I'm going to reach out and try to get Penny on the show sometime after, maybe toward the end of summer when we're, we're around that August area, September area, because, you know, it, it's, I don't want to have her go through that entire thing so close to the time that she just went through it for us on, on Dark Delight. So definitely, it's, that's something I cannot wait to, to include on the show I, I love I love things like that very and I, and I saved all my questions just so that I can I can even follow up questions and and do things a little bit more in depth when we have the time but other than that anything you want to say about tonight's show oh it's just awesome as always and I'm getting to watch it live while I'm cooking dinner oh what are you cooking so I am cooking um, shrimp Florentine um, with a Italian side salad and all the veggies are actually from the garden. So oh. It's really cool. Oh, shrimp Florentine and all the vegetables that is in the side salad is coming straight from the garden. Well, the shrimp, the, actually the, the spinach in the Florentine is actually from the garden too. My so gosh, look at that. Yeah. You didn't, you, didn't need, <laughs> you didn't need Bill Gates for anything that you're going to eat tonight. That's great. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. If I, now if I could just be closer to the ocean and get my own shrimp, no. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> okay. Well, that, there, there's a goal. Thank you for the call, Shannon. Uh, all right. Thanks. All love right. You. That sounds. Love you too. That sounds good. Shrimp Florentine and a completely home sourced salad. Nine one four two zero 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 two sixty nine. Lauren just texted me said you should get copies of all the lists that Matt has made and make a book. Can you imagine, Lauren, I, I mean, they're all gone. I've given so many of them away. And the early lists, I mean, they're just pieces of scrap paper that Matt was writing on the back of envelopes and shit like that, and we just throw them away. I would have already had a, a nice size book. It would have been perfect, you know, coffee table book. Could have had that published easy that would have been ready for christmas 2023 no doubt about it maybe that's what i'll do from now on though it's going to take a while it's going to take a while uh steven you're on the air oh hi how are you sorry i didn't realize first time i'm actually calling well you got through Uh, no no um you know what you're gonna have to forgive me as far as the topic of the conversation it's just i started watching the show recently huge fan really appreciate what you do the topics you cover um, and I just want to say, you know, just keep going for it. And congratulations again to your daughter, whom I guess you had about a year ago or so. Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait a second, Stephen. Uh, uh, am I on speakerphone? Oh, God. Uh, yeah, let me. Sorry. Yeah, take that off. Okay, is that better? Oh, my gosh. It's night and day. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry so, about that. So, so you were saying that you, were, you're, uh, you just started watching the show. Did, have you, were you watching tonight? Anything you want to say about tonight or just a general hello? Uh, it's a general hello. I'm oh. sorry. I didn't mean to waste too much of the time. You're not wasting time. I don't it's, know. It's great to hear yeah, from you. Yeah, lot, a lot of appreciation for what you do. And again, you and the new family, blessing from God. You know, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Every, every day is, yeah, it's, it, it really is something else. I was, uh, before I came here, I found about 45, well, I just felt like I was grounded for 45 minutes because my, my, uh, 
my neck just sucked, my head sucked, so I was just drinking a lot of water and I was just relaxing just for a little bit. And I told I told Aurora, I said, hey, Aurora, uh, you you got to fix Daddy because his head doesn't feel good. So she oh. went she went ran ran and got all of her all of her doctor's tools she calls them, and she came over to me and she put a, a blanket on me and she started she took out her stethoscope. Oh stethoscope she looked in my ear with her uh, her little thingy there um what else you know she just she put a band a band-aid on my finger and uh and she, and she fixed me it was really it was really really nice that's great a couple more years med school there you go she pays for herself oh please that would be amazing uh, you you want to talk about you want to talk about locally sourced food? You want to talk about homeschooling? If we can raise a doctor and not have to worry about healthcare, <laughs> oh man, we have a doctor in the house. I don't need anything. But and and you know what? To that point, actually, I, I work in education. Just to throw that out there, and I will say it is exciting to see how fresh faced these kids are, how excited they are to learn. But the system itself, as you know, and as I'm sure people have repeated ad nauseum. It seems to be designed to kind of remove that joy and kind of the thrill of learning and, and the energy from life, or of life, I should say, from those kids. So hopefully when your child is able to enter the schooling system, whether you decide to homeschool or otherwise, you guys find a good site, find a good teacher, and kind of avoid that nonsense. You know what I mean? And I'm sure parents are dealing with this all all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody, everybody, I, I think anybody who's been paying attention uh, is is asking these questions and they're wondering even if they're in the middle of it how do we modify and if there's no way that they find it's feasible to take a child out of the system once they're already in it then they're probably wondering all right well how can we make sure that the people who are are handling our children every day are mm-hmm. going to be held accountable or they're, they're definitely going to be asking a lot different questions when they go to PTA meetings. I know there's a lot of parents out there who are definitely checking homework all the time now to see what they're reading and what's go, what, what's Good. being discussed in class. Those are things that everybody can do. And I under, I understand totally, um, you know, especially since we live in a in a time right now where it's almost all hands on deck to make ends meet in every household. If you have a mother and a father who are working, it's very and and you need both of those incomes right now. It's very hard to say, well, mom, stay home and start teaching the children. Absolutely, very, very. Yeah. I, I I understand all of it. This is one of those you know like all hands on deck. Uh, kind of situations where a lot of people are just realizing you know it it, it took a little while for people to realize the titanic was sinking the, the people were still ballroom dancing and they're 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 sipping their their brandy and they're smoking their cigars and they didn't know that anything was wrong and then at the end it's it everybody's in a in a, in a race for survival that's where we are right now yeah, it's a wild time, but it's good to see people waking up. And uh, anyway, yeah. I don't want to eat up too much of your time. Like I said, I really appreciate all the work you're doing. I appreciate all the guests that you have. And, you know, just God bless. You know, just keep going. Really, really appreciate you. Well, you did well, Stephen. Thanks for calling in. Talk to you soon. All right. L'chaim. All right. Take care. There you go. So Stephen is a nice, a nice Hebrew man. That's what I gathered <laughs> from that sign-off. Let's see. What else do I have here? Anything? Let me see. Uh, anything else? I just want to make sure I did not miss any piece. I don't think I did. No, I think we're doing well. Zoso Dude just sent in a uh, super chat and said, You're on a roll this week, man. Three great shows in a row. Can you give my buddy Norm a birthday shout-out? Of course, Norm. Of course, Norm. 
Happy birthday, my friend. All the best to you. All the best to you. I hope that you're having a wonderful night. Let's see. Um, I forget what else is there. I wanted to give a shout out to my buddy uh, Gorbachev's mom. Al Gorbachev, who does a lot of our on-screen... I mean, I'll tell you, this this whole screen right here... Like, where's the split screen? They're like me and Matt. This whole screen... Is uh, Gorbachev. So I want to really do a nice... Uh, a nice something or other. Well, let's spiff things up here. And I'll tell you the, the, the brilliance of this. How, you know, the, the please like and share. That, that very light throb. And then up top, quite frankly, all in the neon. I just was able to get the neon boxing in there. And I'm going to be able to put the, uh, the frames in on the quad cam too. This right here, if you are viewing this on quitefrankly.tv, it matches all of the tones of the things that we, that we, we actually injected into the website. The, the blues, the magentas, which again all were designed not only by Lauren on the, the, the webmaster end, but on the graphics end, Gorbachev, and the new, the brand spanking new header that we have on quitefrankly.tv. So seen inside of the website, it's just like everything just matches. And then you go inside and you have the, just the, the neat, it's just great. You remember when Vinny Brusco was on, he said, you know what he was asking about, do you ever look around and, and just feel like, wow, can't believe what I've done. And I said, it's more so like, I don't know what I said. It's like a product. It's like a, it's a sad, it's, it's, a, it's like a feeling of production satisfaction or something like that. I don't know what the hell I was saying. I articulated it perfectly that night. But this is what I'm talking about. A plan coming together. A vision coming together. That just feels great. So, um, thank you to Al, Al Gorbachev, for that, that end of things. And then to, of course, the whole network crew afterwards, Abe and Cody. And um, we're, I'm, I'm going to, I'm about to start taste testing three different types of coffee. That is going to be the new, quite frankly, daily roast. Three contenders. And I wish it wasn't three. Because I am going to be really upset to say no to two of them. Because it's uh, so good. It, it's so good what was sent over. And, uh, and I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But with that. So plenty of fun stuff. And I don't know. Any more calls? 914-200-0269. Um, I'll give you just a moment and we'll be right back to wrap this one up in the last few minutes. It's like, well, if going out on a date with a guy makes me a slut, then that's just what I'm going to be. I don't think going out on a date makes you a slut, but having sex with different men makes you, makes you a slut. Well, what does it make you if you have sex with different women? A slut maker. He is the one. It was the second presidential debate and Donald Trump was groping women behind me. He followed me closely, making faces. I turn, look him in the eye, and say loudly and clearly, Well, I know you love groping women, so grope me. He was literally staring at me. I did, however, grip his dick extra hard, biting my tongue, digging my fingernails into his clenched dick. He was literally breathing down my neck. It was incredible. It was one of those moments where you wish you could hit women. 
I wonder, though, whether I should have crawled on a small stage with difficult men trying to get me off. It certainly would have been better TV. Well, creep, what would you do? I love you TV. Yep, you're cool. So, I love QFTV. Yep, you're cool. What's QFTV? Did you say what's QFTV? Miss, you're gonna need to go over there and watch QFTV Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, right after, quite frankly. Oh, you're definitely cool. Only on quitefrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole. And there goes the boss of the operation. My father, Larry Wayne Pettisenia. Walking like he old. What's wrong with him? You're on camera. Say something. Last night and night before, there was three women walking down the street that way. I saw them. I said, hey, you three women, why are y'all walking down the street that way? There's nothing down there. And they flew away. I said, oh, them were some birds. <laughs> losing his mind. And I'm reaping all the benefits. that we've I think that we've made sufficient love with each other tonight or to each other and I think that's it say 53 so I'm just gonna cut out a little bit early and uh, what I will say in the meantime is this if you enjoyed the show uh, if you enjoy the show every night and you want to see it continue to grow and um, and you want to invest in its future and the future of the network become a sponsor I don't uh, I don't really I, I should market myself a little bit better than I do, but I don't want to get that in the way of some good lovemaking. So if you go to quitefrankly.tv, there's the Sponsor Us tab there. Uh, there's there's Subscribestar. There's Directly Through Quitefrankly.tv on Squarespace and a number of other places. And if you become a monthly sponsor for as little as, 20, no, as, little as $2 a month, Oh man, there's just so many great things that you get. Uh, I mean, you get uh, you get priority messaging. You get all of these access, all the access to the exclusive streams on Sunday and on holidays and on book clubs. We got another great book club coming up on June 1st. Everybody, go out there and buy Shoeless Joe by W. P. Kinsella. Go do it. It's going to be a wonderful time. I promise you, it's going to be a great summer read. You're going to enjoy it. It's going to. It's not going to depress you like uh, Brave New World, even though Brave New World and analyzing that was very necessary. It's a guide. It is literally a, um, uh, it's an apologetic for what is being set up for us. But this is something else here. You know, I, um, I really hope that, uh, I hope that you guys join us. I hope that you join us. I really do. So become a sponsor. I would love to welcome you all, whether it's on Patreon or Subscribestar or directly through the website. 
I'd love to be the first one to say welcome. Thank you so much, boss man. Thank you, boss lady. It's great to have you on. And I'm going to continue to work my arse off so that you never regret a penny of what you've pledged. And I've said that to many of you guys and gals over the years who have signed up, and I mean it every damn time. I'm going to work my ass off. So, um... So that's that. Oh, and while you're on QuiteFrankly.tv, just stay there and watch the Wednesday night. The Wednesday night programming is about to kick off right now. It's Rabbit Hole Wednesday. What rabbit hole are you going to be dragged down? I don't know. But go ahead and have a good time. We'll talk soon. And thank you for everything. Tomorrow night, we're going to have another really interesting guest. Corey Hills is going to be on. And I can't wait to learn a lot about him and his work. Um, I think it's going to make a lot of people curious. We talk about EMF all the time. So thank you guys and good night. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, it's filmed before a live studio audience and now our super chatters. Starting with the Sentinel, who just jumped in right here. Didn't see it. He says, great show, Frank. Rumble had issues, so we went to quitefrankly.tv to stream. Still had issues. Settled in on Theta with no issues. Great guest. She's awesome. Gardening cures liberalism. Gardening cures liberalism. Great. I'm so sorry about all the issues. That pisses me off. Ken McNeil. Thank you. Hello, Kitty. Uber Viking. And all of our other friends around the internet. Thank you guys and gals so much. I'm releasing the scratching right now.